A reading from Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 17. Let us listen for the word of the Lord. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come there with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who has appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. So today I have the privilege of having kids in my sermon. So unlike other Sundays, they won't be swearing today. Only for today. Then we can, we can go back to what we normally usually do here and when we preach from the pulpit. If you're new to, to this, this was a joke. If you've never come to Grandview, that is an absolute joke. We seldom swear. We seldom. So, kids, uh, this is going to be for, for you to I have wonderful pictures. I got tons of pictures. I got animals. I got, I got you covered. And this is going to be a short, a short sermon. And this, this is going to be connected to what we've been doing uh, for the past at least two or three all-ins, we've been talking about, uh, we started the all-ins last month ago, starting with Genesis, and re- re- remembering the, the, the story of Genesis, and the story of the trees, and, and, and the sustenance of God, and how we normally uh, tend to focus too much on the two, the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then the tree of life, but we forget about the rest that was good and for our sustenance and for our blessing. And, and we, we tend to overemphasize those two trees and forget about the other trees. And how that reflects the, the word, the sacramentality of, of, of the whole earth, in sacramental uh, meaning a, a, a means of grace for, for all of us. The world is a means of grace and a point of connection with God. So that's uh, sacramental. And then we also talked about um, 
the idea of too much of one good thing can be too yummy for our tummies, right? When we eat too much pineapple, when we eat too much, uh, sometimes too much music or too much alone time, it's just sometimes it's detrimental to our, to our um, sometimes self-esteem, sometimes health. Trout Lake, we talk about when we eat a fruit, it has to be in season also, right? There's this, this uh, sweet spot. When, when, you, when you're talking about a fruit, it cannot be too green. It cannot be too old. It's still going to hurt our, our tummy. So sometimes the goodness has got to be in season. And sometimes we also have to be in season. Sometimes we're, we, we have, uh, either we're too young or too old to eat some stuff, right? So there's a se- season for, for goodness too. And uh, there you go. Now today... We're going to talk about uh, what this enchanted forest also does to us is that it tells the story of the creator of that forest and it tells our place in it. So the question is today, who is God to us based on our experience of God's enchanted and sacramental forest and what is our place in that forest? Well, you might ask, it depends on which forest you're talking about and which kind of animal we are in that forest. And that is a great question, Ellie. Thank you for asking that question. You're super smart. Uh, because that's, that's key if we want to understand and we want to answer this complex uh, question. This is because our understanding and impression of a particular forest will change if we happen to be a bear or if we happen to be a wolf, or if we happen to be a monkey, (laughs) or let's say a snake, or an owl, our perspective of that forest would change uh, depending on how low to the ground we are, like like for example a snake, or how up up in the sky we can soar through like, like a falcon for example. They're very different perspectives on the forest or of the forest. Now, let's say you're a big, big wolf and you're a part of a strong wolf pack. If that is the case, then the forest is your oyster. It's yours for the taking. And very likely you understand this world as a hierarchy with the strongest at the top, with the alpha male at the top. You also need to be fierce and to collaborate with others to thrive. In terms of danger, you are the danger. And that feels powerful. You hold the biggest bat in, in, in the forest, especially when you're in, in, in your wolf pack. Because not even bears at that point are a problem. And you don't, uh, you, you don't even need to look up for danger because no danger is coming from, from, from above. Because remember, you are the danger in the forest. Now, forget about the wolf. This time, let's say you are a bunny in that forest. How different do you think your understanding of that forest, your relationship to it, and your place in it will be? Well, overall, the forest is neither your oyster nor your playground. And in terms of danger, danger is everywhere. (laughs) The forest is dangerous to its core. You are a bunny. Danger comes from every direction. It sneaks up on you from up high, from down low. It it, it sneaks up behind you. It's it's left and right. And your best bet is to be both really fast and to live underground. 
Now, kids and adults, there's something I did not tell you about this particular forest. For this is not a wild or a virgin forest. No, no, no. There is something different about this forest. And, and it's something that neither bunnies nor the wolves know about. Do you want to know the secret that lies in the forest? I'll tell you the secret. Well, the secret is that most animals don't know that this particular forest has been terraformed, transformed, and modified, and adultered in, uh, in order to benefit the wolves. So the wolves can thrive there. The way the terrain was desi uh, designed, the types of trees that were planted, the way they were planted and organized, you name it. It was all designed so the wolves are kings and remain kings and queens as long as possible. But neither the bunnies nor the wolves know that. As far as the wolves and even the bunnies are concerned, this hierarchy was blessed and designed by God, the creator of the forest, with the wolves at the top. As far as they are concerned, God must really, really love the wolves. What most animals guess is that they either, either did something wrong in the past or they're doing something wrong, or simply wolves are just God's favorite creature and made the rest of them subservient to them. That is just how reality is, at least in this particular forest. So friends, how do you think the wolf will respond to the questions, who is God, based on your experience of God's enchanted and sacramental forest? And what is your place in that forest? I wonder how the bunnies would respond to that same question. So the answer, again, depends on the specific animal, the particular forest, and their place in it, right? So what about us then? Well, the enchanted forest most of us grew up in, the one you interact with on a daily basis, and thus the one that tells you who God is, what God does, and your role in it, is the North American forest. With its way of being, government structure, wealth, violence, trauma, goodness, songs, you name it. This is the forest most of you grew up in, and the one we all currently live, uh, live in. That is our forest right now. Now, most of us here at Grandview know that the North American, Canadian, sacramental, and enchanted forest is not a wild or a virgin forest by any stretch of the imagination. The forest has been terraformed and transformed by white Europeans in order to give white-looking Europeans the best time of their lives and the best opportunities, especially if you come from special and particular families. So if you happen to be that white-looking European for whom God's magical forest has been terraformed, transformed, and adulterated, then due to your interactions with said forest, I know you're getting uncomfortable, you understand God and your place in that forest in, in a very particular way. But what about the experience of other less European-looking uh, uh, people who get to understand God through the same forest, a forest transformed to benefit people who look different than what they do? Well, their experience of that uh, transformed and enchanted forest and the story that forest tells them about God and their place is very different. Now, having said all that, the North American forest is not the only forest out there. 
There are other magical and sacramental forests, like for example, in Bolivia, where I came from, where I was born, with its own wealth, corruption, beauty, culture, songs, types of government, animals, people, etc. The way we, we understand God through those magical forests and the sacramentality of those forests is different. It is hard to realize that, we, that what we sometimes call good is and can be an adulteration of a good fruit, a gmo fruit designed to benefit some and to give others a severe tummy ache. Our adulterated forest might be telling us an adulterated version of God, reality, and our place in that world. For example, this is obvious in some of the songs some uh, Christians and churches sing, many of which grand viewers or grand viewites have actively try to stay away from songs that tell a very particular story of not only who they are and their role in the world, but also who God is and God's role in the world and the church. Again, the world is sacramental and it's still magical. No matter where you look, the world is still a means of grace in a point of, in a point of connection with God. But depending on which forest you find yourself in, how it has been terraformed and adulterated, and where you find yourself in that hierarchy, it, tell, it tells a different story and a nuanced story of God. The way you understand pain, obedience, God's faithfulness, God's love will be surprisingly different. So what am I trying to say today? The world is still magical. Nature, arts, dance, etc. But uh, we still need to come together for the restoration of God's good earth. Otherwise, the systems we've created, the fruits that we have GMO'd, will tell us an adulterated story, an adulterated gospel. A GMO theology that tends to elevate capitalism as the real Christian gospel, the capitalism gospel that has proven to be more effective at really saving and transforming the world, those have to be in quotes. Our adulterated magical, magical forests need restoration. And as Christians, we need to be eating better food and working towards the restoration of all things. And this, surprisingly, is where Paul's calling comes in. And I want to invite the worship team to start get, uh, getting up. I told you it was going to be short. I'm, I'm going to read again uh, Paul's conversion story. So there, there are three tellings of, of Paul's conversion story in Acts. One is uh, Acts uh, 9, where El, the one Ellie read. There's another one in between, and th th this is the last one. Basically, Paul finds himself kind of in chains in front of King Agrippa. He's telling uh, a version of his conversion story to, to, to the king. He says, on one of those journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and what you will see of me. 
I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. It is a good thing to remind ourselves, even every now and then, that the gospel, the Christ gospel, came to the bunnies first. Oh, I missed that one. Came to the bunnies first. It came to the bunnies who had a bunny perspective. They had a bunny way of understanding the world, a bunny way of understanding God. It came to the bunnies and surprisingly not to the wolves. It came to the ones in danger. It came to the weak, to the oppressed in a way that only oppressed peoples could grasp and understand. But this gospel also rocked the bunny world, rocked it to its core, to its core because as it turns out, the gospel was not just all about the bunnies and just for the bunnies as many thought it would be. And this is the one shocking thing for a bunny that would soon change his name to Paul. We can see this from the beginning in his conversion story. He was told to take the gospel to the other animals as well, especially the wolves. Right from the get-go, he finds himself in front of a wolf, King Agrippa. Paul the bunny and the rest of the other bunnies were supposed to bring and share the gospel of freedom, justice, nonviolence, forgiveness, resurrection, and connection with God to, the for to, uh, to other uh, creatures in the forest like owls, snakes, bears, and yes, even the wolves. The gospel came to the bunnies first, not to empire or the powerful. Jesus told an imperfect bunny called Saul to take the, this goodness everywhere he went, and it cost him everything. Because after all, he was just a bunny. And as we know, bunnies can only do so much. Let us remind ourselves that this gospel has bunny ears, that it came for the oppressed and to the oppressed to share with the rest. In this, we are reminded of the Easter bunny. Do we have Easter bunnies? And the power of resurrection and the restoration of all things. The restoration, restoration of the enchanted and magical forest that have been adulterated to serve the few in power and a select group of people. It is in this restoration of the sacramental forest that we truly get to be, that we truly get to have a better story of the creator. Outside of that, we can only consume GMO fruits and vegetables. Uh, I want to invite you to pray with me. Lord Jesus, may, may something like scales fall from our eyes as well. May, may we be open to keep being impacted and transformed by your gospel. May our minds and our imaginations, the way we talk about you, the way we imagine you, the way we imagine your world continually be transformed. May, may our eyes be open to, to see your justice in, in, in your heart. May we as grand viewers be opened to needing to change many of our ways as well. And, and this is, and we require your help. Like something like scales need to fall from our eyes for us to be able to see. Otherwise, no matter how much we try, we can't see. 
We ask of you, Holy Spirit, to do this transforming, surgical work in our eyes, in our hearts, in our minds, to reimagine things as you see them. May you free us from our wolf's understanding of your gospel. May you free us from a, a bare way of sharing your gospel. May you free us from a, a violent way of understanding you, God. May, may we remember who you were, Christ, here on earth. What your gospel was all about. In your holy name, Jesus. Amen.